With the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome into another season of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast here on IdahoSports.com. Far and away, our most popular PrepCast of all the ones we did last year was the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast. Really? Yes, 100%. Oh. Our, our, our viewer and listener numbers through the roof for this the eight man fans come out strong and so we wanted to get back on the horse and bring you season two episode one welcome in brandon baney joined by I, i'm not going to call you mr idaho eight man but you, you know you are a a really good source for idaho eight man uh athletics and that's will henneke will welcome back i i fake it well i i rely on people who know a lot more than me to kind of uh inform me on some stuff and then i just regurgitate a lot of it so so thank you it's good to be back definitely uh so most of our fans are diehards and they know the drill but we might have some new listeners or viewers along the way so let me quickly explain what it is that we do here each and every week and how you can get this content so this is your weekly uh stop for eight man football that's all we're going to talk about 1a d1 1a d2 that's it a lot of times um the smaller school the 1a schools kind of get overshadowed by the 5a's the 4a's and even the 3a's sometimes and so we want to shine that spotlight only on those eight-man schools because there's a lot of good football and there's a lot of great athletes will i know the 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 cliche example we always give is you know leighton vanderesh right from from salmon river now in the nfl uh playing for the dallas cowboys um but there are a multitude of great eight-man athletes you're in you're out that play football yeah matt matt paradis the offensive lineman uh, i believe he's in carolina now he's a council guy uh, a former notice uh, student athlete, Chris Horn, played with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Horseshoe Benz, Quade Renfro is down at, at Idaho State right now. Uh, Ed Becker is up at uh, from Genesee. He's up playing in, at the University of Idaho. There's, uh, there's, there's no shortage, and there's a ton. You get into some of those smaller colleges, you know, the College of Idaho, um, some of the Montana schools like Rocky Mountain and Montana Tech, Eastern Oregon, uh, you'll find a lot of guys who played at, at this eight-man level and, and are having some good success. Yeah, absolutely. So this is your your breakdown of eight-man football week in, week out. There are a number of different ways for you to consume this content. There are audio-only options. If you go to idahosports.com, across the top of the homepage, you'll see schedules and scores and game streams, and those are all great things to click on as well. You definitely should, but what you're looking for in this case is prep casts. And from there, it's across the top of the homepage. You'll see a drop-down menu with all of the different prep casts that we offer. You'll click on Idaho 8-Man PrepCast. It'll take you to the page, and you can start playing the episode right there. You can also download this podcast wherever, whatever podcast catcher you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, etc. And if you're going to go that route, that's what I do, Will. I, I, uh, just, I download the podcast every week and go back and listen. You know, any good any good player goes back and watches the film, so to speak. Um, I just subscribe. If you subscribe to the Idaho Eight Man Podcast or Prepcast, then it automatically gets downloaded for you each week. That's one less thing you've got to do. You don't have to go out and search for it. Uh, it'll just you'll wake up one morning and magically it'll be there. So that's those are the audio ways you can get this Prepcast. Uh, if you want to take the plunge and and see what we look like. Uh, you can also watch the the video version of this on the Idaho for punishment right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
if you want to see a couple of, of uh, pasty, pale-skinned guys talking about Idaho 8-man football, then uh, you should definitely uh, check out the video version of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or uh, our Facebook page. So uh, we'll probably rehash that a couple of times uh, just as we get the season going, and then maybe in September uh, we'll just get right into talking X's and O's. So uh, let, let, let's for this episode, we're not going to drill down too specifically because – you know, for week zero now, you know, when I when I played high school football, there wasn't really a week zero, Will. It wasn't everybody kind of started on the same weekend. And now we're getting more and more games and teams that are pushing out to week zero, but no eight man games this week. So we're just going to talk about kind of generally the, the landscape of what's going on in, in eight man football. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Let's go. All right. So you uh, you uh, run the Idaho eight man twitter account and i'll be honest every time i look at it the the image uh you've chosen it's a it's a face mask right like a football yes. face mask yep. I'll, I'll be honest for the longest time i thought it was like a volleyball and i was like oh man this guy's like okay <laughs> that's what wow. i thought i may need to rethink that now i because now I'm going to look at it and I'm going to see a volleyball. Okay, I've okay. I've I've ruined that for no. It's it's been that way for so long. I think you're good. That was just me as an outsider. So so for those that don't know, uh, I grew up in Montana originally. Um, they have eight man football in Montana, and they even take it a step further. Will they've got six man football in Montana yeah. for those really tiny schools where basically everybody's eligible. The center snaps the ball and he can go run out into the pattern if he wants to and go catch a pass. That doesn't happen too often but it can will you have been in idaho for how long uh i moved to idaho for the first time in 1997 um but i'm from spokane so right there on that border you know um, i used to go to high school games in wallace and mullen and kellogg and moscow and and so i'm you know going all the way back into my high school days even before high school i was very aware of what's what's going on uh, panhandle wise Definitely. So uh, Will has been been around for a while in Idaho, and he he knows the landscape a lot better than I, which is why I brought him on. So uh, by proxy, I sound smart and intelligent when I'm talking about these things. So um, but you you run the Idaho eight man Twitter account. Um, and if you aren't following that, you should go go follow that right now, because Will always hands out his, his three stars, uh, the three top performers from the weekend. And you always have a great honorable mention list as well. Basically, uh, any athlete that deserves to get some credit shown on them does throughout the course of the season. You do a great job with that. So, um, but uh, you, you tweeted last week on that account that, uh, you know, as you were talking, you know, we've been doing our statewide previews once again for every football team in the state and five, uh, a through two, a are all finished. We're still waiting on a couple of one, a coaches, but those by, by this time next week or by, by early next week, those will all be finished as well so um but as you have been reaching out <laughs> right fingers crossed i'll definitely help you out with that if you need some uh assistance will will's been uh, handling all of our 1a previews as you've been talking to all of these coaches around the state a couple of like big themes have emerged mm -hmm. uh you outlined three of them and and the first one is you know a longtime coach up north in the white pine league 1a d1 uh has has left prairie um uh, Ryan Hasselstrom uh, retired as coach there. He had he had two different stints leading Prairie, and then he's also been an assistant coach. Uh, I think you add it all up, and it's like 24, 25 years total with Prairie, yep. something like that. So he, he's gone, um, and in his place steps uh, a new coach in T.T. Kane. 
and, and TT's uh he's a new coach to Prairie as far as being a head coach. He's been an assistant there the last uh year or two, I believe. But before that he was he was in Chalice uh and and led some successful teams in Chalice. So you know, I feel like Prairie got a, a pretty good head coach to come in, but uh, in talking to some other coaches from around the state in the Division One level, the general theme is let's not kid ourselves. Losing Hasselstrom is going to hurt. It's going to hurt them. It's it's always hard to be the guy that follows the guy. You know, think Bill Guthridge following Dean Smith. You know, it's you you've got that permanent bar up here that that you're chasing. And in Prairie, they've been so good for so long. Um, now Coach Kane has a chance to come in and put his own stamp on it uh, and do it, uh, you know, if, if there are tweaks that he wants to make, changes that he wants to make, or if he just wants to kind of, you know, I, I've got the keys to a pretty dang nice car, so I'm just going to keep driving it. And based on, you know, he's got Tanner Ross and Hayden Ulencott as assistants, and they're both Hasselstrom players. The change this year is going to be, um, you know, for the first time in a long time, um, Prairie on paper doesn't really seem to have a dude coming back. There's no Brody Hasselstrom. There's no Cole Martin. There's no Jake Bruner. You know, you go on down the list. They've got some kids that I think can certainly be that guy. I know that uh, a lot of people are really high on, on Trenton Lorenz, a senior, uh, a senior who is is going to get a crack to be that guy that that every down running back that is, you know, getting 15, 20 carries a game. Uh, Colton McElroy, you've got some other guys that have been involved kind of on the periphery, and now it's their chance to step forward. And, uh, you know, I, I still expect them to be a very good team. I would be, uh, frankly, pretty shocked if, if they didn't win six, seven, eight games and, and play well into November. But it's it's definitely going to be different. It's going to be different, and we this is one that we may have to check on again, in three years and in five years and just see how that evolution works in Cottonwood. Yeah, so uh, Ryan Hasselstrom uh, retired as coach uh, because his son, Brody Hasselstrom, the great All-State running back, uh, graduated, now playing for the College of Idaho, right? Did I get that right? Where's he playing at? It's either College of Idaho or Eastern Oregon. I'd have to look. Oh, it's, it's, it is Eastern Oregon. I know those were the two he was juggling. Yes, Eastern Oregon. You're correct, Will. See, this is why I bring you on. Uh, so, yes. He, nice he, that I sounded wishy-washy, too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ryan wants to watch Brody a little more. And, you know, I read an article in the Lewiston Tribune uh, from this past spring when when Ryan stepped down as well. And he said, you know, I'm finally going to be able to like go hunting in the fall as well, which is nice. I haven't, I haven't been able to do that for a minute. So, yeah. And that's, that's what he told me. He's like, can you imagine coaching a, you know, a Friday night game, you know, back and forth wild shootout against Lapway or Genesee or whoever. And then, you know, I want to go watch Brody play the next morning and he's playing in Billings. So I'm having to like hop in the car at three in the morning so I can go watch my son play. And I'm like, yeah, that would, uh, that would that would be that'd be rough. That'd be rough. So he, uh, you know, he had told me that the, the timing fit for a lot of reasons. A, they had a good candidate there, um, and and B, you know, he has a chance to step away on on his terms and let Coach Kane come in and establish what he wants to establish and and keep things going. 
Yeah, I think this is a slam dunk in terms of a replacement, uh, T.T. Kane, who, as you said, prior head coaching experience at the eight-man level at Chalice. You know, Chalice has been a program that's been down for the last several years. The last time Chalice was really a, a force or at least a player in the eight-man landscape was when T.T. Kane was coaching the Vikings. So I think it's a slam dunk hire. I think Prairie, uh, and, and, and again, this is the prep cast where I'll come out with my bold takes. And if I'm, if I'm right, I'll take the victory lap. But if I'm wrong and PS, I was wrong a lot last year. Uh, I'll, I'll come back and wear it. But I think Prairie, not only six, seven wins, like you said, I think they win the white pine league this year. I know everybody says Lapway in the preseason is the team to be, but I, I just with Prairie, it's, it's a program and tradition that's baked in already. And I just, I don't see anybody that's going to beat them. Uh, Lapway was supposed to play in the eight-man classic next weekend. They dropped out. From what I heard, it was because of low numbers. Now, I don't know if that means low numbers at the start of the season, like kids that weren't going to have enough practices in, or if it's a low numbers in general. But either way, that caused me to pause for a second and say, all right, I'm going to go with Prairie. Yeah, and then the thing with Lapway is, I mean, they always have athletes, whether it's 12 or whether it's 25, they're going to have some of the best pure athletes in the state, period. Uh, and, you know, it's like you said, it's just a, a volume thing with them. And, um, you know, I think they'll be fine. I think, you know, both Kamii and Clearwater Valley have a chance to uh, to be a factor. And, and, you know, I wouldn't rule out Genesee with, with Angus Jordan coming back for his uh, third or fourth year starting as, as quarterback there for Justin Podrabski at Genesee. I think they're a team that can be a factor as well. But, you know, I, I, I can't necessarily, I can't like debate you or disagree with you. I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if uh, if Prairie wins the White Pine. And, uh, you know, Paul Kingsbury, our, our boss here at Idaho Sports, um, he and I almost have this little joke going that people have been saying for probably five or six years now, okay, I think this is the year that Prairie kind of levels off. I think this is the year they started to hit the plateau and come back to earth a little bit. And then they go out and, you know, win 10 games and play in a state championship and have the 1A Division One player of the year. You know, and it just they, – they haven't hit that plateau yet. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be the one that says this is the year it happens because I don't I – don't, I don't think it is in, in the – um, I, I guess it probably depends on how you're judging plateau or re regression. I mean, if they go, uh, I think they have an eight game regular season. Um, if they go six and two instead of seven and one, um, there might be some people out there that view that as a regression. If they're not seed two A in the one A Division One state playoffs, or if they're not that automatic. Um, you know, get that automatic buy into the second into the second round or the quarterfinals or whatever, however they label it now. Are there going to be some people who say, whoa, 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 wait a second. You know, maybe there might be. Um, I don't know that that's fair. I mean, I think if if you go out, especially in an eight man uh, in an eight man setting where you're one twisted ankle away um, and Prairie had that twisted ankle last year. You know, Brody Hasselstrom missed time with an injury. They had other players who missed time with injuries, and it impacted them down the stretch. Where you're always that one twisted ankle away from being a 500 team, uh, depending on who gets that twisted ankle. So um, I, I don't know that you can look at any six or seven win team that qualifies for the playoffs and says, eh, 
eh, I don't know. It wasn't as good as I thought. Yep, definitely. And um, I think last year Brody missed a game. He had he had to have an, an emergency appendectomy. I believe that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it might have been the playoff game because I don't believe I don't think they were beaten by Lapway in the playoffs. And I think that was the game that he missed. I'd I'd have to go back and look it back up to to refresh my memory. But I think that's the one. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just wild. You can't plan for that obviously and yeah um so i yeah i think we both agree prairie's going to be in a good spot in the white pine league as always is going to be a gauntlet uh, prairie will play oakley the defending 1a d1 champ at next week's eight-man classic nothing at, like uh, a soft starting point huh right <laughs> that's going to be at middleton on idahosports.com idahosports.com once again bringing you all of the matchups from the eight-man classic and then from there it's seven white pine games and that's that's their schedule so that's the way it's going to go for prairie let's Let's stay in the White Pine League, but drop down to the 1A D2 level. You, you talked about our, our boss, your boss and mine, Paul Kingsbury. Uh, we brought him on at the start of last season to get some of his hot takes. And one hot take that he absolutely nailed. Everybody roasted him at the time for saying it, but he nailed it was he predicted Kendrick was going to be your 1A D2 champ last year. And, and he was spot on as the Tigers. Um, you know, they had a couple of... Uh, couple of tests along the way but really you know throughout the course of the season looked pretty dominant at times as well and boy they bring back like almost everybody literally almost everyone they graduate graduate one senior off last year's team and you know mason anderson was a good player um it wasn't like he was just some guy wearing a uniform on the sidelines so they're gonna they're gonna feel his loss but you know ty kept the hewitts you go up and down the list they've got their linemen back and the games they lost last year were to Oakley and Genesee. So it wasn't like, you know, these were, you know, upstart. Whoa, where did that come from upsets? They were, you know, they were pretty good teams that that were able to get Kendrick. And Kendrick gets literally almost everyone back. Uh, Zane Hobart, the head coach, is not really shy about saying, we have some high expectations for ourselves, as he should. Now, when you're talking about 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, do you worry a little bit about complacency? Like, look at everything we have coming back. Maybe I don't have to work so hard. I think that that's a possibility, but I also think it's one that the coaches in Kendrick are very aware of and very um, sensitive to, you know what I mean? So I don't think Hobart is going to allow, nor do, and maybe, you know, maybe they wouldn't have gone this route anyway, but I don't think... Hobart is going to allow those kids to kind of sit back and look, you know, look at last year's stats and look at last year's record and look at last year's trophy and say, yeah, we're, we're going to do that a couple more times. He's going to make them come out and do the work. Um, the talent is there. Um, the talent is unquestionably there. You talk about all the all league and all state kids that they have back, including Kep, the, uh, the dual threat quarterback, um, they're going to be a really, really tough team for, for anybody in the eight-man ranks to handle, whether they're coming up to play a D1 team or whether it's in the White Pine League or when we get into the playoffs, when they're still playing some of the best of the best. You know, you go back to the playoffs last year when they played a pretty darn good Horseshoe Bend team in awful conditions, and they just, they just pounded them. I mean, 40... 46 to 8, 48 to 8, something like that. Like, I mean, it wasn't even an especially close game. And Horseshoe Bend was a good team. Um, that's that's how good I think Kendrick can be. Now, again, 
we've got to put the usual caveat on there. You know, if as long as they're healthy, as long as they're healthy, I think there's a very good chance that um, Paul can go hot take again and call Kendrick again. And uh, I think there's a good chance he could be right. Yeah, you talked about that Horseshoe Bend uh, quarterfinal game. You know, I was just talking about this on uh, one of the other prep casts we do, the Treasure Valley prep cast with Logan Green this week, and we both kind of lamented like that should have been a semifinal game. That shouldn't have that shouldn't have been a quarterfinal game. And and they have, uh, you know, we've talked to some coaches and they've told us they've they've kind of fixed the bracketing this year at the one AD two level. It's still going to be a predetermined bracket, but there's going to be I think some wiggle room to avoid those types of matchups we saw last year. Yeah, I like the fact the one that I saw that I really liked is there's now two teams uh, coming out of District 1. I mean, there have been years in the past where I think you and I would agree that, you know, Mullen St. Regis gets in and they deserve it. They're the district champ. But you know what? There's Clark Fork at 6-2 and two not going while there are teams that are 3-5 and five that are going just because they play in a different league. And so I think that this year, especially because I think there's a chance that the North Star League uh, could be pretty competitive. You know, Mullen St. Regis, Clark Fork, uh, Wallace and Lakeside are both playing in in that league. Um, And I think they'll both be pretty competitive football teams. And I think Kootenai is going to be better, too. Um, You know, as long as they got the numbers to play, that's been kind of the gray area with them for the past several years but they've always got players. They've always got players. It's just having enough of them, um, if you will, where I think getting the second team in there out of the North Star and balancing that out a little bit, uh, I think is I think that's a very good thing. Definitely. So we'll keep an eye on that. It's a little too early to start looking at the uh, the playoff bracket it is, but, but uh, we'll keep it in mind as we progress throughout mm-hmm. the season. Uh, so speaking of, you, you mentioned uh, Wallace and Lakeside dropping down. You know, there was a couple of teams that got on elevators, right? Some moved up, some moved down every two years. The IHSAA does a reclassification uh, cycle with a little caveat this time around. For the first time, the IHSAA said, you could petition to play down a level in football only if you if you felt well i think i guess it was all sports but it was mostly applied for football reasons and so what you saw was wallace and lakeside are 1a d1 schools in every sport except football they petitioned to drop down to 1a d2 not because they didn't think they couldn't be competitive at the d1 level but because they who wants to be in a two-team league? I mean, they've done that for several years, and so they wanted to, they wanted to be in a more robust conference, and I like it. Mm-hmm. You also saw uh, Castleford got moved up to one A D one for all sports, but they petitioned to stay down in one A D two and were granted that exception, which to me was surprising because they were a semifinalist team last year, and typically the IHSAA punishes those teams that do well and say no. You're moving up, uh, but they did allow Castle Ford to stay down. Um, Valley moved down from one A D, or excuse me, from two A to one A D one. So Valley is back in the eight man game where they belong. I think most people would tell you they really struggled at the two A level. Yeah. Um, this doesn't apply to football, but it does apply to to one A athletics. Uh, the community school, Sun Valley Community School, the Cutthroats, they jumped all the way from one A D two to two A. So they're completely. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're completely out of the picture now. Um, they were pretty uh, decent in basketball this past year. That's where it really came into play. And then in soccer, I know that. Yeah, they're they're very good in soccer. And so the 
all of this movement is happening, but the the big mover, the one that has everybody talking, is Carrie making the jump from 1AD2 to 1AD1 in all sports, including football. Carrie could have petitioned to stay down. I don't think they would have won, but they decided not to anyways. I think they're excited. There is a there is a renewed excitement at Carrie with this new challenge that's now in front of them. Yeah, and they're not limping in either. Lane Kirkland, the longtime head coach, you've got the 1A Division II State Player of the Year, Connor Simpson back. You've got Colton Larna. You've got B.J. Brown, Franco Ocampo, Tegan Kirkland, Riley Morey, Carson Perks. I mean, you, you've got a playoff team coming back. And the thing that's I think that has a lot of people particularly eyed in on this is not only are they moving up, look at the league they're moving into. They're moving into that into that league with with Oakley, with Raft River, with Valley. That's a very good conference that they're going into, where a team could have a hell of a season and go four and four just based on who they play. You know, I uh, was talking to Lighthouse Christian head coach Jason Smith recently, and when you when you do conference and non-conference together, their season starts. And and forgive me if I get the order wrong, but they open with Grace playoff team last year okay Cary, raft river oakley butte county you could go oh and five and really not know much about your team based solely on who you're playing you know what i mean that's a who's who of eight-man football and they're not all in the same conference grace and butte county would be non-conference games in that setting for lighthouse christian but Oakley, Raft River, and Cary, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, the, that's that's a three-headed monster that in one league, you know, tell me another one. Um, I mean, maybe you could argue the 5A SIC, but tell me another league in Idaho that has three teams like that in the same division, coming out of the same division, beating up on each other, and even the quote-unquote underbelly of that division, when you get down to teams like Merton, Glens Ferry, those aren't bad football teams. You know, that is going to be a brutal, brutal schedule where a team that loses two or three games in the regular season and gets one of those at-large bids, say they're the, the, the number three or number four at-large team to get selected, they could make a run and, and be playing championship weekend, and I don't think anyone should be surprised that's how good I think that that division is. Yeah, and uh, we saw this play out last year with Lighthouse Christian. They they obviously went winless last year, zero and eight. But we, I remember talking to you about this. We had we were heading into the final week of the regular season and talking about the Max Preps rankings because one AD one. Uh, seeds and selects their playoff teams based upon the max preps ranking system. And we talked about how lighthouse Christian, despite coming in with an Owen seven record was only two spots away yeah. from an at large bid. And if they had gotten a win in the last week of the season, possibly could have made the playoffs. And that speaks to the strength of their schedule. And we could see something similar this year with the team in that. I mean, somebody, somebody has to lose in this conference. And it's not that they're a bad team. It's just that there's so many good teams that it, it's going to be hard to sort out for sure. Um, yeah. With the max preps rankings, uh, Will, I think everybody now kind of understands how it works. And basically you're not going to get many points for beating up on cupcakes anymore. And so that has forced 
the coaches that have teams that they think can contend to go out and put together a competitive schedule. And I like it. You know, I talked to notice uh, coach Joe Woodland on an off season uh, prep cast for the treasure Valley prep cast. And he acknowledged it. He said, look, our schedule wasn't good enough last year. And overall in our league, uh, our schedules haven't been good enough. So you're seeing notice now they're going to play Kendrick in, in a non-conference game. They are going to increase the difficulty of their schedule. You see it with Lighthouse Christian playing both Grace and Butte County. I think overall it's good for the sport because you're going to get better games. Yeah, and you talked about District 3. I think a lot of times uh, in if we could go back through the schedules, which you can do on idahosports.com, uh, a number of the District 3 teams, whether it's Idaho City, whether it's Notice, whether it's Wilder, there's been a lot of, you know, you could argue whether it's it's convenience, whether it's finances or whatever, they've played a lot of non-conference games against the 1AD2 Longpin Conference, whether it's Garden Valley, whether it's Tri-Valley, whether it's Council, and what you talk about, it leads you to wonder if you start seeing fewer of those types of matchups. And I think that things like the Idaho 8-Man Classic, when people are able to watch, you know, insert great matchup here. Like I remember a game a couple of years ago when Idaho City played Oakley. Um, and it's like, okay, now I really have I really have a taste of what these two teams are because I know they're both good programs. They're both well-coached programs with good athletes, and I've seen them go nose-to-nose. There is now a straight-line comparison to make, whereas, you know, you might look at you might look at somebody and say, well, they've just they just played a few, you know, 1A D2 teams, and they could be very good 1A D2 teams that that these guys are playing in the non-conference, but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily give you that straight line comparison, if you will. It's not really an apples to apples when Lighthouse Christian is playing Butte County and Grace. And, you know, I'm picking this out of a hat just for the sake of doing it. I don't want anybody to read anything into it. But then say Idaho City plays Tri-Valley and Salmon River. Um, It's just it's it applies a little bit more equitably, understandably, um, both mathematically and for the casual fan. Definitely. And uh, I think coaches understand that, you know, you know the, those those programs that are are rebuilding or struggling to find their footing, like like a Salmon River, like a Tri-Valley, you know, they have to fill out their schedule, too. And mm-hmm. it's it's OK to play a Salmon River or a Tri-Valley. You just you can't have too many, too many no. of those games. On no, the you can't have three or four of them. Right. If you have one, you have one. And there are some, um, you know, there are some that are almost rivalry ish. You think about teams that have gone up and down in years past. Council used to be a very good 1A Division I program, and hell, they may be again in the future because their numbers have grown a little bit up there. Um, you know, Tri-Valley is another team that a lot of these schools in the Valley, um, here in District 3, they have a relationship with them. You know what I mean? Garden Valley is another one. Um, Idaho City, you know, you're just basically, I mean, it's a big hill, but um, where you have to take a dirt road to to get across it, you're basically on the other side of a hill from each other. Why wouldn't you play uh, in in sports? And that's when I talk about some of the convenience of things where, you know, it, it, it only makes sense for some of these teams to play. It only makes sense for Idaho City and Garden Valley to play rather than telling Idaho City, you can't play Garden Valley. You have to go play 
you know, Clearwater Valley or Genesee or whatever. And, and I think that's where we're starting to see some of the meat in the middle stuff, like the Idaho eight man classic, where I think it makes a lot of sense and it, it eases some of the burden on both sides where, okay, you know, we might have to take a two hour bus ride, but we're not taking a five hour bus ride. You know, we're not missing an entire day of school to go play this game, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, and I think uh, the the clearest point you'll see is when you look at Wilder and you look at their schedule last year compared to this year. Last year, Wilder went five and three, and didn't make the playoffs because mm-hmm. the the league wasn't strong enough. Their non conference wasn't strong enough. They played both Salmon River and Garden Valley last year. They have traded those games in this year for matchups against Valley and Murtaugh and Butte County. They will be hosting Butte County. In a, in a true home game. So while Wilder gets it, hey, we got to step up our game if we want to get to the playoffs. So yeah. I, I think yeah. that's Kyle Del Solio, he's seen it. He's been around. He's experienced this enough on, on both sides where, you know, I applaud those coaches that, you know, I, and like I say, I mean, sometimes you have to take things into consideration, and I get that. Um, but I think it's great to to see these coaches say, okay, yeah, we'll go play. You know, we'll, we'll – and and you know you've got to be you've got to have the 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 room on the calendar to do it so to speak. But um, you know you go in and and you're you have a week one opening. Okay, who's who's got a week one opening? And to not restrict it solely based on geography, um, I like it. It's going to get us some really good, some really interesting matchups. Definitely, and I I'm also wondering if you might see more out of state matchups against really acclaimed eight-man teams because Max Preps does take that into consideration. If you play a, like last year, Mullen St. Regis played Superior High School from Montana, which was the dominant eight-man team in that Very state. Um, that that helped their ranking because Superior was good and they played a good team. Oakley went and played Paranagat Valley in Nevada, uh, you know, nationally acclaimed, uh, you know, over a hundred wins in the last three or four years or whatever it was. And the only game they lost last year, if I'm not mistaken, was to Oakley. Yes, that is correct. And so I wonder if we'll start to see maybe a couple of those as well. Hey, who's who's playing well in Nevada? Who's playing well in Montana? Who can yeah. we play and add to our schedules? There's so. there's some hesitation as an example. I'll, I'll use Oregon and I'll use this sport of baseball just because I know a couple of baseball coaches in Oregon that are right along the Snake River there. Like, Nyssa and Parma are separated by like seven miles. They didn't play each other in baseball last year because Oregon schools got penalized for playing out-of-state games um, along the lines of Max Preps, you know, potentially dinging a team for playing, you know, 1AD2. Um, So Nyssa had to really schedule very carefully because – they felt like they had a pretty good baseball team and they didn't want to get left out of the playoffs because they played too many Idaho teams. So they only scheduled one or two Idaho teams. And, you know, if, if that, you know, if, if that apple falls from the same tree in terms of football, you know, you look at a team like Adrian, which is again, right across the river. Um, You could probably get from Adrian to Wilder in 15 minutes, maybe. Um, and Adrian has been, you know, carry light in terms of their results in recent years. So that's another one out of state. Does it, 
Does it make sense for some of these teams, particularly in District 3, if you're looking for a good non-conference game? I'm, I mean, I'm sure I'm not breaking any news. I'm sure that there are plenty of 1A, you know, District 3 coaches that are like, yeah, we've we've tried to go down that road and for whatever reason it hasn't worked out. But to your point, there's another pretty good, you know, pretty good program um, out of state that's not very <laughs> out of state for a lot of teams. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the schedules continue to evolve as we move forward. And uh, let's get out of here on this note. A couple of programs that, you know, in the eight in the eight man cycle, we see teams uh, come and go. Some years they have enough kids to to compete. Some years they don't. A couple of schools that haven't been competing in the past uh, couple of years are back trying to make a go of it. We saw last year Meadows Valley for the first time in over 20 years have varsity football they they played an independent schedule last year this year they will be a full-fledged member of the long pin conference joining the long pin conference diving right in after not having a, a program for the last two or three years uh and and becoming a full member is cascade the the ramblers are uh, putting together a long pin schedule and that's exciting to see you'd like to you know you you sit here and um, we've seen it before with some teams that have tried to give it a go and it just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. You're pulling for them. For, for Cascade, you're definitely pulling for them. This is a team that won a state championship 20 years ago. And you may say, yeah, 20 years ago, 20 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, they had some great teams in the early 2000s. And then, you know, turnout just went down a little bit and enrollment went down a little bit. And, they hit some tough times, but they they're able to succeed there. They they have the athletes there to succeed there. It's just a matter, and how many times have I said it just in this episode? It's just a matter of having enough of them. And as long as they have enough of them, um, and in particular along the lines, you know, it's going to take a couple years uh, because you know you've got to you've got to get that IQ and experience level back up, considering the program hasn't played. Uh, I think they played one game in 2019 before canceling their schedule, and they haven't played since, if I, I think that's right. Um, so it's going to take a little bit of time to build that experience level and that IQ level back up, but but they'll they'll get there, you know, as long as they're able to keep a team on the field, and that is success number one. And that was success number one for Meadows Valley last year. They scheduled their six or seven games. They played all six or seven, and now they're coming back this year. And all those kids, because they've got a lot of them back. It was a lot of freshmen and sophomores last year, so they've got a lot of those kids back. They'll be much better for it this year. And it, you know, they'll they'll be playing in the long pin, so they'll be playing against Horseshoe Bend. They'll be playing against Tri Valley, Garden Valley, Council. You know, they're going to have a tough schedule. So at the end of the year, people may look at the they may look at the schedule and say, oh man, they went you know, one and seven, they weren't that much better, but you, you can't always grade it just by looking at a scoreboard. You know, you have to be willing to look at the product on the field and you have to be willing to see, you know, okay, yeah, they went one and seven, but they were losing varsity games 50 to 30. Whereas last year they were losing JV games 50 to six. You know what I mean? You, you have to be willing to, to really look at it before you can really properly assess a program's process and in a younger program like Meadows Valley, like Cascade now, like Garden Valley, uh, I'm sorry, not Garden Valley, Greenleaf Friends uh, in the Western Idaho Conference 1A Division One, you, you have to look beyond the record to really 
get a vibe, get us get a feel for for how the progress is going as far as getting back on their feet. Definitely. So uh, we'll 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 see how Cascade does in their first season. We're wishing them the best of luck. Tell tell me if I'm wrong here because you you live uh, over in the Treasure Valley and I live. I live over in East Idaho, so I'm kind of observing from a distance. But yeah. my perception is is that there's been a huge population influx to Western Idaho, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. Boise, Boise Metro, Meridian, etc. They're they're all growing, and at least in my perception, that's pushing more people also to some of these, you know smaller communities that are around the Boise Metro area. Where hey, we're still only you know, 45 minutes to an hour away from the big city, but it's, you know, a lot quieter, you know, in Horseshoe Bend, it's a lot quieter in Cascade. And I think that's giving these smaller schools an influx of more people, more kids in school and uh, more athletes. I've heard people speculate, and it's just that it's speculation that Horseshoe Bend, which is right now 1A Division 2, could be 2A in five years because of a subdivision that's being built uh, about uh, 15 minutes up the road, about halfway in between Eagle and Horseshoe Bend. Uh, but no, you're right. It, it's a rapidly growing area, and the the cost of living in Ada County, which is Boise and Meridian and CUNA, the cost of living in Ada County has spiraled upward to the point where it has pushed a lot of people out. Um, you know, I personally, I live in Parma, which is about an hour northwest of Boise. Uh, pretty close to Caldwell. Um, And, you know, good luck finding a, 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 you know, if you're looking for like a rental house or you're looking for a a home for under $400,000, you know, just drive right on through Parma because you're probably not going to find it here. And, and it's a residual of, you know, all the people moving into Boise, which is pushing people into Canyon County, which is pushing people further out into Canyon County, and then ultimately up to, you know, like you're talking about, you know, is it, is it Emmett? Is it Horseshoe Bend? Is it Notice? Is it Fruitland? And, and uh, I, I think all of those communities are seeing a bit of growth and it's a, it's a residual of all the people that are moving into Ada County. Yep. All right. Last note here. Uh, the last time the Clark County Bobcats had a football team was 2016. They actually made the playoffs that year and lost to Dietrich in the first round. So for the first time in what is that? 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, five years, Clark Used County. Used all the fingers for that one, didn't you? <laughs> I, I did. I'm, I'm horrible at math. Okay. So the, for the first time in five years, Clark County is making a go of it. And this is one of the smallest schools, period, in Idaho, yes. just in terms of total athletes, total students. Um, they're they're doing a hybrid. You know, they're going to play a couple of varsity teams, but they're going to play some JV teams as well. And I'm excited. You know, Tyson Schwartz is going to be the coach. He's more of a basketball guy. He's like six foot seven, but he's going to he's going to coach him up. And I'm excited to see what happens in Dubois this year as well. They're looking at an enrollment of somewhere around 30 kids for the school, uh, nine through 12. So just playing law of averages you're drawing from about 15 ish boys in the whole school and that's if every single one of them turns out and we all know that's not realistic there's a couple kids that football just ain't going to be their thing you know and that's fine you know that's totally fine um i don't judge those kids nor should anybody but you know can you imagine going into a season knowing that okay a good turnout for us might be 12 or 13 kids. And you talk about the potential for injury impact, but 
I, I think it's fantastic because if you look back at some of those years, you mentioned the last year they played, they were in the playoffs. I was looking up some of their year to years, just kind of curious how they were going. Cause a lot of times you'll see when programs peter out for whatever reason, there's usually a three or four year run of no wins, one win, every game is a mercy rule. And kids just kind of lose interest. They get tired of getting their teeth kicked in. So they stop playing football and they go run cross country or they just take the fall off or whatever. Clark County, and it's not every year, but I was seeing a lot of five win seasons, four win seasons. You know, boy, they they really hammered team X or team Y this year. You know, it 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 seems like a program where as long as they have the bodies, and there's another thing, how often am I going to say that? It seems like athletically there are some pieces in place where, again, it might take a year or two to get the, the program back really, you know, rolling again as far as setting the expectations, getting the knowledge and the IQ. Because, um, you know, you can't underestimate things like when you're starting a program, and you haven't played in four or five years, so you may not have a single kid in your program who has played at the high school level, period. Um, they may not have played at the junior high level, period. And you're teaching them things like kickoff assignments, substitution packages, um, you know, uh, coverage assignments. That takes a little bit of time. And, you know, Cascade, Greenleaf, Meadows Valley, throw Clark County in there. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him because the more teams that play, the better we all are. I genuinely believe that. And, and Clark County has a history of some success on the football field. They've just got to, you know, get themselves kind of back in the groove. And I think once they get back in the groove, they'll be right back to being a, a competitive team in that league with, you know, Water Springs and North Gem and Rockland. And there's a team, I think Rockland that has a chance to be pretty dang good this year, but um, you know, Mackie, um, you know, I'd love to see, and Showban has tried a couple of times. I'd love to see Showban get back to a point where they can put a team consistently on the field and compete. I think it would be a lot of fun. And I think that that has a chance. If you can get Clark County back to where they were, that has a chance to be a pretty good league in the 1A Division II classification. Definitely that Rocky Mountain Conference. We'll keep an eye on it. Clark County did have a couple of players that played with West Jefferson last year, so they would drive to West J every day and play, and uh, they obviously had a great experience. West J. How far is that drive? You're the Eastern Idaho guy, so oh man. So I got I go by Dubois all the time because that's right off the interstate. Um, I've never actually been to Terraton. Um, It is. You know, I'm going to guess it's about 30, 45 minutes, something like okay. that. Not okay. too bad. Not too bad. Um, so if you want to play and that's what you got, you do it, right? Right. That's 100%. So they had enough kids have a good experience. West Jay did make the 2A playoffs last year to say, hey, we can do it on our own. You know, Clark County, I think, is on a an upward trajectory right now uh, where three years ago, they didn't have enough bodies for a basketball team. They had a co-ed. They had three girls that played boys basketball with the Clark County boys. So they had oh, wow. enough to have a team. They had like seven players. I think they had four boys, three girls. They now have their own teams again. So I think there is a slight tick upward in terms of athletes at Clark County, which is exciting. So hey, keep that going. Keep that going. I'm I, you know, everybody says, oh, you like Team X or you like Team Y. I'm gonna say it right now on this webcam. I like them all. 
I like them all. I wish, I wish every, I wish Tri-Valley and Cambridge, I'm sorry, uh, Midvale and Cambridge had enough kids to field their own teams instead of having to co-op. Uh, I'm psyched that New Meadows is playing. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that Kootenai can keep it going. You know, some of these teams that are fighting so hard to get on the field, I want them to find success because there's, there's just something about, uh, and I, I mentioned, I live in Parma and there it was touch and go as to whether or not Parma was going to have a varsity football team this spring. It looks like they will, but it was touch and go if Parma, a three, a school was going to have enough kids to play varsity football this year. So it happens, you know, um, you know, Shoshone had to go through a little bit of a reset. Um, Hagerman's going through a bit of a reset right now. I want them all to succeed and I want them all to thrive because I think that nothing beats small town, small school, Friday night football. And I used to work at, at channel six, one of the TV stations here in the Valley. And if you gave me a choice and I don't mean this disrespectfully to the athletes at the 5A schools in general. But if you gave me a choice between going to a game at Eagle or going to a game at Bronco Stadium, which is where the the 5A Metro schools played at the time, or going at BK, or I could go to a game at Notice. I just, I like the vibe of the small town more. I just, I always have. And that's part of why Idaho 8-Man came to be, because that's what I enjoyed personally, me. That's what I enjoy. And I found that media coverage, that's where media coverage, um, that's where they were cutting. They weren't cutting from the Rocky Mountains. They weren't cutting from the mountain views. They were cutting from the notices in the wilders. So if, if me sharing links and sharing tidbits and telling stories and showing pictures and mentioning athletes, if I can help replace even just a tiny bit of that coverage that some of these schools have lost over the years, then I'm, I'm, I'll do this as long as I can do it. Well said, Will. Absolutely, and more opportunities for more kids is what I want. So, yes, all these, all these schools. Hagerman, you did mention they, they've been kind of doing the hybrid schedule for a couple of years. They are intending to compete as a full member of the awesome of the uh, Sawtooth Conference. It's going to be Hagerman, Dietrich, Camas County, Castle Ford, and Shoshone. I think I might be missing one, but it's going to be a good little D2 league. Uh, that's, that's an interesting sure. Hanson. Did you mention Hanson? Oh, Han- and Hanson. Yes. There's six of them. Yep. Um, that's, that's, that's an interesting conference. Cause you got some real potential in there. And I mean, we could veer down into the weeds of every conference if we wanted to, <laughs> but uh, you know, Camas County returns some good kids. Dietrich returns some good kids. We know Castleford does. Uh, Hagerman has won state championships before. So they've got some pedigree, uh, you know, down in, in, in that town, Hanson, they, oh man, it's, that could be a fun league to watch as well. Definitely. We're going to get into the weeds next week with, uh, kind of looking at every conference and kind of picking a couple of things. And of course we'll highlight the opening, uh, weekend, uh, of games as well next week, uh, including the Idaho eight man classic at Middleton high school, which again, idahosports.com will be bringing you live coverage of for every single contest there. All right. Uh, one down and about 14 more to go here as we make the march towards November. Well, uh, we're very happy to have you back here on the Idaho eight man prep cast. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for tuning in everybody. We'll see you next time on Idahosports.com.